the last giveaway was Mitsubishi Evolution 9. But before that, we spent the previous 18 months giving away eight Toyota MR2s. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how they can afford to give away a car every two months, how to convert cold Facebook traffic to enter and pay for a giveaway, and why they went from building products to selling DIY kits. Today, I'm joined by Justin Burnash from Prime Driven. Prime Driven is a seven-figure business and one-stop shop for Toyota car parts and was started in 2012 and based out of Stanhope, New Jersey. Welcome, Justin. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be here. Yeah, so you told us that by the age of 26, you already owned to over 20 cars of the same type, which is one of the car parts that you, you help service, the Toyota MR2. And it was your frustration with the existing market that led you to start your business. So tell us about that frustration. What, what led you to, to, to get frustrated enough to start a, a business around this? Yeah, so, yeah, great question. Yeah, the, the MR2, Toyota MR2, which is our, our, our specialty, um, little tiny two-seater mid-engine Toyota. And, you know, like most kind of very low volume old cars, which back then it was, you know, barely 10 years old, you know, the market is not big. There aren't a lot of companies serving it. And if they are, they're companies like us, where it's like one guy, two guys, three guys, you know, not not anything really serious. So it was very fragmented. Customer service was, to my uh, standards, not not there at all to the level with the maybe exception of one little company. And, uh, you know, they just weren't operating in a way that I thought should be happening. And so, you know, we basically took that, uh, like, like many great small businesses or just small businesses, took the frustration and uh, said, there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. Did you have experience before? Like, What made you think that you could do a, a better job than what was already out there? Yeah, so my background is in customer service and sales. So I used to have, be part of a, a small personal training gym in uh, Burnsville, New Jersey, that I helped uh, a friend of mine build up. I was in sales, you know, when I was younger, you know, Sears Hardware back when, you know, that was a thing, you know, in cars, buying, selling cars, stuff like that. So it was just, you know, everybody has their their way they like to do business. I love great customer service. And I mean, what my definition of it is, which is just, you know, attentive, informational, you know, not really pushy, but, you know, helping people where they clearly have a gap in their knowledge. Right. Were there specific things that you knew you wouldn't, you wanted to come into the market when you started your business and do right away to really blow customers away when it came to customer service? Uh, yes, actually. Um, that's a great question because I can still remember um, it was email response times. So back then, you know, there was still, I mean, Facebook was around, uh, but, you know, it wasn't being utilized by my market. So it was all forums and email. And I would email companies for years and years before that, a decade before, um, you know, we ever started the company. And, you know, I just wouldn't hear back or I would hear back like a week later. Um, And then it would be like something really not particularly useful as a response or just no response. And as a guy who was, you know, looking for help from an expert, I don't know, I thought at a minimum I would get some kind of response. So, yeah, that was really the main scenario that, that, uh, that drove me and what I made every effort to in the beginning. And obviously, as we've gotten bigger, it becomes more challenging because the volume of the emails and then Facebook messages, and Instagram DMs and all the different platforms, is much more challenging now. But back then, it was just my rule was reply to an email within 24 hours, worst case, best case, an hour or two. 
Got it. So this customer service that you were applying, it wasn't even for the type of business that you're in today, right? You were in a different, you weren't the typical e-commerce business when you first started out. Tell us more about that. Where did you begin with your business? Yeah. So (laughs) great question, because it's not at all how we are now. Uh, We started out back then in 2012, even actually before that, we were building cars and helping guys build cars, fixing their MR2s, you know, going back well over 10 years. But when it really became a business, we were building um, Toyota MR2s for customers. So the way that we really kind of kicked it off with a bang was the market had been very stale for a long time. There, There's a very popular thing called engine swaps in the car world, where you take a newer engine out of the same or different car, and you put it in the older version, you put everything together, you make it work, and then you have a better driving version of your cool old car that you already have. So we took an engine that came out of a station wagon in Japan that was never exported to the United States and put it in the Toyota MR2s, um, which is basically this 15-year newer engine. Um, same basic engine structure called the 3SGTE. That's the, the designation of that engine. But this was a 15-year 15 15-year newer engine. So just better everything, much more reliable, younger, lower mileage, faster, more powerful, easier to work on. But we basically, my business partner, figured out how to make it work in the car. Uh, and then you know we went from there with basically giving our customers, here's the newest, fastest, most reliable way to engine swap your MR2, and we're going to make it really easy for you to have that done by us. And how did that business go? Not well financially, but well in terms of branding. So our kind of obsession with quality, um, my obsession with customer service, uh, my business partner, we're both obsessed with quality, but my business partner is the technical mastermind behind the car. So he is you know, unrelenting in his you know, desire for things to work how we believe they should, which is basically like OEM did. Uh, so like the manufacturer. So the idea of our cars is that, you know, you would send the car to us. And back then, I mean, most of our cars were shipped in and out on car carriers. They came from all over the country because um, there aren't that many of them in the country. And we would, you know, tear them down, go through everything, not just throw a motor in and send it back out the door, which is what a lot of guys were doing back then. And I'm sure people still do now, but we would go through the entire car, give the customer a list of everything that, needed to be done from a safety standpoint first. uh, And then we'd go into fun performance stuff if they still had the budget and there was still time. But uh, that was four years of that. We built, you know, 50 cars a year, generally, like on average, we had, you know, two or three mechanics, you know, full time. But this is in New Jersey where, you know, overhead and workers' compensation and all that was just hideously expensive. And these are not high dollar cars. These are $5,000 cars in most cases. So we were doing you know, five, six, $7,000 engine swaps on a car. Half the time they were spending more on the swap than they had spent on the car up to that point. So it's just not enough financial resources a lot of times for the customers to be able to do what needed to be done or to do it to the level that we did it. So eventually we basically, we had built several hundred cars. Those customers were asking for support, meaning parts online. We had a very basic website back then with no parts available. They were asking, so we started adding parts. And this was on like a Weebly website. You know, it was not e-commerce, but just had the ability to kind of create some parts and a payment process. So we started doing that basically, you know, a handful of parts at a time. We'd sell the replacement parts of what we used on builds, which were whatever we had found was the highest quality, best value part at the time. And then over time, that grew just by requests. And then eventually we came to, you know, your platform. Fast forward, you know, 18 months, 12 months. Then we came to Shopify and that was kind of when everything changed. 
Got it. So this process where customers are telling you that they wanted more, they want a parse, they wanted a way to get it. This was like a 18 months, like a year and a half long transition from the original business of building 50 cars a year to now selling uh, parts online. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, like most things longer than you think, but it was really, we never in, intended to become an e-commerce company. In fact, it was a distraction for a long time and it was tough with managing inventory and resources because we didn't, you know, we weren't a big company. We didn't have a lot of money. There wasn't a lot of good cash flow um, in that model of building the cars. So it was, you know, trying to keep everything on the shelf for when an order came in. And at the same time, we had three more cars that had to be built in the next three weeks. Um, and not all those parts are readily available. A lot of them we order from Japan or we have them manufactured by, you know, other small companies. Uh, so it was very challenging in the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's I think... What's important here is that what you start off with is not where you ended up in. It's not easy, you know, to to make this transition, this change, because, yeah, you're still in the same industry. You're probably dealing with a similar or the same customers. You're still working with cars. You know, you have passion that I can see for, for the both of you. Uh, but you're kind of going to uncomfortable territory, right? You're not – you're going from working probably face-to-face with a lot of people, like, on their cars and now selling products and shipping them across, you know, the country, maybe across the world eventually. Um, what was what, – what were some of the kind of growing pains here. How did you guys address uh, this? The problems, because like, I think you mentioned inventory and resources. Like, how did you guys get a, a, a wrangle on, on this early on? Yeah, so uh, it was a substantial challenge. Um, uh, my business partner and I had decided that we weren't going to, um, you know, borrow any money to do anything. Um, which I know that's probably pretty common now with you know raising funding and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, we've always just run off, uh, our own personal money to build the company originally. Uh, and then basically what little cash flow we had. Um, so we've never borrowed anything. Uh, we've never had a loan or an investor or anything like that. So we basically prioritized, um, during that like 18 month transition of still building cars and starting to sell, you know, very few, you know, parts on the website. Um, my business partner is very good, um, and very smart when it comes to um, managing multiple things in his head at the same time and um, you know, managing where to get inventory, where to get the best deal on the inventory since our markups were very, very low and still are in most of the parts, just there's not that much markup, you know, potential on a lot of these parts. Um, and also we want, you know, bring the most value to our customers. So we have to be able to pay the bills and, and we want to grow, but you know, it's, we want to bring a customer, we want to have a customer for life and we want to bring them so much value in terms of support and products that they feel like, you know, I, I wouldn't even look anywhere else for this stuff. Like these guys are just fantastic. Got it. So yeah, you built this off of cash flow uh, profits, basically, and the cash flow you're getting in from the, from the business. So I'm assuming that there there were some hard decisions along the way where you guys had to say no to opportunities, no to to things because at that time your cash flow might not have supported that that investment. Can you give some some examples of that? Yeah, that's a great question because now that you asked that question, I'm thinking back to a number of scenarios. Yeah. So back then, one of the things we also did to try to generate a little bit more noise, a little bit more awareness and a tiny bit of cash uh, when it went well is we would buy broken um, MR2s and then we would bring them back to life mechanically. You know, we were not a painting body shop. We didn't have any restoration abilities cosmetically, um, but, you know, a really good detail and, you know, um, cleaning up and stuff and then a new motor, um, you know, can take a, a dead, you know, go into the scrapyard MR2 and put it back on the road for another 10 or 15 years. So 
that was one of the other things we did that sucked a lot of cash because, you know, you spend all the money and then you wait to sell it uh, and then you get that money back and then, you know, you go and do it again. Um, so that was, uh, was a major challenge. Um, and it worked well for branding because people learned that our cars worked, uh, like our old philosophy was, uh, you know, our cars work first and then they're fun and fast and exciting after that. That's a, that's a really good point. I want to stop it. How did you know that that was the more important, like, how did you know that was what your customers cared about first? Well, you know, it's funny because, um, no one ever asked for that really. Uh, that was basically my business partner and I's obsession with the quality part. Um, back then, most guys, and it's still true today to an extent, but back then, most guys were daily driving their MR2s at 20 plus years old. Um, and because it's a Toyota and it's from the 90s, and those are some of like, the most well-built cars in terms of just you know raw reliability and engineering quality, um, it was... Un- not unusual to see a guy daily driving that car with over 200,000 miles on it and very little done to it um, just because they were built so freaking well. Uh, and ultimately, we wanted to take, you know, a modern car um, performance and then reliability of just something newer that has a lot more years left in it and put it into that old chassis, which was so well built and over- really over-engineered um, from the factory. So, yeah, it was just we wanted them to work. We that wasn't what people were asking for. People always want more power, they want more exciting, and it just so happened as a bonus. The thing we put in the motor we put in to make it work better and work reliably happened to make more power and drive better and be you know a higher performer. Got it. So, you mentioned that you were taking these at one point, you, you wanted to do to, to scale this up, but at the time you couldn't. But you're taking these dead cars, like you're saying, you bring them back to life. It was great for branding. What were you doing with these cars? Like, were you selling them? Like, why were you reviving them? Were you, were you guys like reviving them to, to sell them? Like, how, how, what was like the, I guess, the end goal of each, each car that you guys were, were reviving? Yeah. Yeah. So we would, we would we'd buy them, we'd bring them back to life and then we would sell them on, um, you know, just to put it back on the road and, you know, give somebody a, you know, good value and a good quality build, um, on, uh, you know, for not, for not big money. Uh, whereas the big problem with, I mean, any old car and any modified car, but cars like ours where they were so low volume, I mean, they made from 1991 to 1995, they made 23,000 of these things. There's maybe 5,000 left in the country, like vaguely active, um, on the road. So finding nice ones on like Craigslist or eBay or back then the forums um, was pretty slim pickings. So our cars became effectively um, what I like to believe because that's the reputation that we built at that point is, you know, a buy word for like value. Like I'm going to buy this car from Prime. It's going to be 20 percent more uh, because they did work to it than the on paper or visually equivalent car online uh, or on Craigslist. But this car will work. And if I have questions afterwards, which was another big thing when you're dealing with old cars that no one really knows anything about, um, and a, and a very young audience because it's a very cheap car. Um, at least the entry level ones are, so you can buy one when you're in your teens, you know, certainly in your early twenties, you know, and it's not, you know, an, a insurmountable cost. Um, uh, but the information is all over the place, lots of misinformation online. So people would buy, you know, basket cases and then they would call us to help them. And we would be like, look, like you don't want to pay me to do the amount of work this car needs. Just sell it back to somebody else. And then here's one of our cars, you know, buy this. And I can tell you that everything functionally works. Like it's not perfect. It's not brand new. You know, it's still a 20 plus year old car, but it goes, it stops, it turns, you know, it's going to start tomorrow. 
Uh, and if you have a problem or a question, uh, you know, you can call me. Uh, or back then, you could call me on the phone. Now it's, you know, email or Facebook message or what have you. Uh, and, you know, we'll do everything we can to help you. And once or twice, there were guys that, you know, six months down the road, they popped a motor or, you know, their friend took the car out and overheated it or something like that, doing something silly. And, you know, we replaced our motor for free. And we didn't have the money to do that. Uh, we've never really had the money to do that, you know, at any particular scale. Um, but it was just, you know, what we believed was right. And ultimately, we wanted to help the customers. Like, we got to stay in business, obviously. And if we're always doing that for free, we would go out of business. Um, but it, it was just kind of a core belief of myself and my business partner of how it should be, how we wished it was when we bought cars. Mm -hmm. Now, when you guys made the switch from focusing primarily on, on reviving and building cars to selling parts, was there a moment where you and your business partner sat down and was like, you know, we got to make this switch and kind of go fully into selling parts online and start closing down the other side of the business or did it just happen like gradually? Yeah, uh, literally it happened, uh, in, in one, uh, one sit down meeting we had, um, it was, uh, December, 2015. Um, we were going over the books, um, and for the last like six months, cause we'd started selling like, you know, uh, the Weebly stuff to existing people. I had started running Facebook ads in 2015, like all self-taught, very rudimentary. But back then, Facebook ads were hilariously cheap. Um, you know, and there was nobody else in our industry does Facebook ads. You mean like there's no other MR2 company running Facebook ads. Um, so I had started doing that. We started getting like a significant uptick in orders. Uh, so by the end of the year, we're like, I feel like we had like more money in the bank. Not a lot more, you know, but like, you know, a few thousand dollars like in the bank that normally wouldn't have been there or we would have been overdrafting at that time or something like that. Um, you know, like, are we missing something or like, or, you know, what, what was causing that? And then we look at the, all the books and uh, it turns out that not only was the website um, supplying supplemental, but actually when you ran the numbers on what it cost us for all of our expenses in New Jersey with overhead and workers comp and payroll, um, what it cost us to build a car, we were actually losing money on every build. Wow. Okay. Uh, and literally we were like, we need to stop building cars. And then the next sentence was, how do we make it easier for our customers to build the cars themselves now if we're not going to do it? Because we had, you know, 50, 60 people waiting to send cars in and they'd been saving for years and we've been talking to them and, you know, we didn't want to let them down and then just be like, sorry. Um, so that was that day we created the DIY kits that we sell to this day, the do-it-yourself kits of how to put this more modern motor that we call the Gen 4 3S GTE into the Toyota MR2, a full bolt-in plug-and-play uh, scenario. And then we stopped taking in builds and started doing that. And uh, you know, obviously, all of a sudden, you're not taking in money for builds anymore, even on deposit. So the first six months of that were, were pretty interesting in terms of cash flow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that was that was literally a sit down December of 2015. And we had exactly that conversation. Got it. And when you got the the, the, the six months, you said that, that it was interesting in the castle. Was that, were you guys ever thinking like, oh, if they were, did we make the right decision or not? Uh, oh, yeah. Many times. What made you stick to your guns? Yeah. I mean, you know, at, at that point, um, I had started reading a lot um, right around that time. I had started reading a lot in, um, uh, you know, startup businesses and autobiographies of, you know, like the titans of business industry and marketing and behavioral psychology and, uh, you know, just anything you could think of um, in terms of psychology and business and management and, and 
sales and marketing. And uh, I, I was following, you know, a lot of good people. I was reading a lot of good stuff and, uh, and my business partner, uh, you know, trusted me and I trusted him. Um, so were there times? <laughs> yeah, all the time. When we were like, ah, maybe we should take the, just this one building, you know, just to get a little cash. But then we were like, that's going to be a slippery slope. And then like somebody finds out that we built a car for one guy and they're pissed because we said we weren't building them anymore. Um, so, you know, we just didn't want that to happen. So we put all that energy into making the website um, as time better, um, relatively speaking, adding more parts, um, adding more, you know, I was spending a lot of time at that time. It was starting on Facebook, you know, like in the groups, on the forums and the groups, like helping people tech support um, that, but that was, yeah, it was it was tough going, uh, and we were not cash flow positive for for a decent amount of time uh, because of deleting the the you know influxes of cash every time I would sell the build and we we had a deposit on a build. God, yeah, I think if you can keep the lights on or you have a, a long enough runway, you should, for the most part, try to focus on doing things that are scalable or investing your your time, investing the 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 way you build the business towards things that are scalable, which is the approach that you guys went with, you know, selling these these parts online. And I like the idea of these this transition period where you were selling these DIY kits. Are you still selling those? Oh yeah. I mean, that's still, you know, one of our big, you know, unique selling propositions, you know, between like the three or four other MR2 companies that there are in the country who are all basically, you know, like one man shows or two man shows, uh, you know, we're all tiny little businesses. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's still one of our, our big value things for our customers besides our support. Um, and then now, you know, for the last 18 months we've been, which has been part of the journey with, uh, with Shopify, um, is, uh, we now give away cars um, to our customers as basically a way to give back and to grow awareness for the company. Um, you know, where other, otherwise people don't really care if you sell them our two parts if they don't have an MR2. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that was kind of where a lot of that transition came in as well. Guys, let's talk about that. So the, this car giveaway. So you're giving away a car, I think I saw that you, you told us that it was once every almost two months, right? Yeah, basically. That's awesome. So tell us about this. How do you how do you set this up? Like, how do you even afford to give away a car? Like, there's just this idea of giving away a car every two months sounds like really out of reach for a lot of people. So tell us how you guys are able to do it. Yeah. So um, everybody generally has the same kind of response. You know, when we tell them we do that, they're like, I don't understand how that works. Uh, like, you can't be doing that. You know, legitimately, it's got to be some kind of angle. You know, or, or online like everybody will, like you know thinks it's a scam like well i understand that like it seems crazy right like i'm not a, we're not a big company uh how do we do it we do it through a lot of work um a lot of time uh and frankly um we had done the first two with weebly and there were many problems because it wasn't a purpose-built e-commerce platform uh and that was when we decided to make the shift to shopify at that point i was ramping up my facebook ads quite a bit during that year leading up to that um and then this was September of 2017. Yeah. Um, we switched over to Shopify in between giveaways, in between number two and number three. Um, at this point, it's only MR2s we were giving away back then. Like the first eight giveaways we did, literally up until just this year, the last giveaway was Mitsubishi Evolution 9. But before that, we spent the previous 18 months giving away eight Toyota MR2s. Um, and once we moved to Shopify, um, the back end became massively easier. Um, you know, all the app integration you guys have and the, like the Facebook integration is huge for me with my dynamic product, you know, targeting ads. Um, so that was really how we were able to do it. The first two, we effectively like broke even on, 
Like they're not super expensive cars to build, but we build the nicest one we could um, each time and try to do something new and interesting or, or at least different uh, for our customers each time. Cause you know, there's only so many different ways you can build the same car. Um, but, uh, but the, 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 how we did it was we knew that it was probably not going to make any money because it costs a lot to do it, even at relatively cheap cars. Uh, but the customer, our customers were loving it. Uh, and of all the years and hundreds of cars that we, that we, built and thousand and over a thousand cars that we'd like repaired or worked on or helped somebody fix. Um, we'd never had so much positive feedback. Um, then when we did the first giveaway, so that was basically kind of like, to me, it was like a, like an addiction at that point. Um, I was like, this is, this is like bringing overwhelming value is always been kind of my obsession. And I always thought I did it with support and the quality of the builds and the parts, but people just like, it just blew up with positive, you know, feedback and, and comments and, you know, thank you for this opportunity. And this is amazing. And, you know, this would be life changing. And that was, uh, that was, that was very exciting for me uh, and very fulfilling. Um, and, you know, obviously great for, for brand. Um, so that was, that was kind of the, um, the beginning of how it worked and how it works ultimately in terms of money at any given giveaway. Cause we're always going bigger and bigger. Like this Mitsubishi evolution, we just gave away, like that's a $20,000 car. You know, the MR2 before that was, you know, anywhere between ten dollars and $15,000 cars, um, you know, like what cost us, you know, to build. So to jump to the Evo was big and we had no presence in the Mitsubishi Evolution market, zero. And MR2 guys are very loyal to the MR2 and very often not a big fan of really any other car. It's kind of like a, you have to be hardcore to, to really want and own and keep an MR2. So each giveaway effectively funds the next one. Um, and now with growing into some of the bigger cars, um, it, it's, and we're having to run a lot of cool traffic ads, um, that I run to get these new eyeballs and people that want that car, um, is, uh, is very challenging, time consuming and expensive. But again, like this is a car that we had no reputation in with the Evo. And I don't think we've ever had more positive feedback on ads. And these were two not customers. These were two just, just cold traffic. Um, and that was really super exciting to me. So this, um, the profitability, where does it come from? Like these are, these are people entering, they give away, they give their email address or something, and then they end up buying a product from you later. Like how do you measure whether a giveaway was successful in terms of profitability or not? Yes. Yeah, great question. Sorry. I kind of glossed all over that. <laughs> no worries. Um, I spent so much time in this every day that I don't even think about, you know, the, yeah. the 40,000 foot view here. Um, so yeah, so basically how it works is, um, a, a giveaway or a sweepstakes is different than a raffle in that a raffle has to be a 501c3 charity or a governmental agency. And you're just purchasing a chance. You're purchasing a piece of paper, like a ticket, like a lottery, um, or like a raffle, like a 50, 50 at a, at, you know, uh, your local fire department, you know, uh, you know, steak dinner or something like that. And sweepstakes or a giveaway means you're exchanging value. So they're buying from me either parts, um, or now with the cars that we don't sell parts for like the Evo, they're buying shirts, hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, keychains, backpacks, uh, socks, just all kinds of, you know, like cool car themed stuff. Um, some of which is specific to that actual car we're giving away where we take a bunch of photo photographs and stuff of it and then make stuff out of it. Um, but then basically every dollar they spend on the website is automatically tracked by the website. And that's one entry into the mm -hmm. giveaway. So that's how we fund the giveaway, um, effectively, but we have to obviously build the car and do all that work before, we ever launch it. So 
you know, we spend a lot of money up front, um, which is a big challenge as far as cash flow is concerned. And then you bring it in over the course of the next six, seven, eight weeks. Um, and then, you know, we spend, I spend a lot of money on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, Google ads. Um, we work with some YouTube influencers, you know, that have cool car channels. Um, and, uh, and that's effectively how we do it, but we're, we're always in growth mode. So I'm not playing the short game here of like the cooler cars we can do the, you know, the more attention we get and also the cooler cars we get to give to people. And, uh, they love that. I love that. Um, so that's really been the, um, the, the long game here is we just want to give away as much cool stuff as we can. Um, and, you know, be able to, you know, just basically make our paychecks and, and, and grow, um, so that we can give away more cool stuff. That's awesome. So, so you're able to to track all of the. Cause how, how how are you able to track that? That's this like incremental, I guess, revenue rather than like a customer that would have maybe come across you anyway. Like, is there a way to differentiate between the two? Like, how do you tie like attribute yes. the revenue directly to the giveaway? Yes, great question. So um, that's one of uh, an endless list of the things that are so great about the Shopify platform is on our dashboard. You know, just when we log in each morning. Um, you know, it shows, you know, the, the number of visitors, you know, number of orders, all that. But then when we go into the analytics, uh, you know, obviously it shows percent of new customers versus returning customers. Um, and then obviously every time somebody orders specifically on their information on the, on the, on their order page on our back end shows us what number order it is. So when we see the number of returning customers, it's almost the opposite of what a lot of companies want to see on growth. A lot of companies on growth want to see high returning customers because that means you're not churning a lot, right? You're not losing a lot of customers. Mm-hmm. And then you're gaining some new. That's how it used to be before we were doing giveaways. Now, anytime during a giveaway, our returning customer rate will be extremely low with these this, these new cars um, because most of our existing MR2 customers don't care about you know, a car that isn't an MR2. This is as a, as a percentage though, right? Like the, the actual yes. number of people that are buying, that are returning, yeah. isn't going down, but as a percentage of all the purchases, it's, Correct. it's decreases. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, all, all percentage based. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, so yeah, so our existing MR2 customers, ultimately, like they're going to order from us anyway. The, the, the MR2 giveaways were just a cool way to give back to them. Now we're giving them a chance to own different cool cars um, still as a bonus just for shopping with us when they're they're buying the parts anyway. The new customers obviously are are entering just for that um, or just because a lot of them think, you know, some of our merch is cool. Like we put a lot of work in one of our guys here, you know, is our in-house designer, you know, and he's not like, you know, educated as a designer or anything. He's just another, you know, friend of ours, cool guy, you know, he likes cars uh, and he's got, you know, he's got a, a great creative flair. Um, but yeah, the, the back end, um, there's an app on the website that basically tracks um, the number of the number of entries that they have, um, which is basically like a loyalty tracking, you know, app. Like there's a million of, um, and that's how we actually track the number of entries everybody has. Um, and then we go and look at the analytics to see what our percentage of new customers is, returning customers, what they're spending, how many orders they've had, um, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then we can contribute. We can attribute um, to a very close approximation um how much revenue came in from uh new customers and then what the net net profit was on that and then you know we see uh, how well that one did relative to the previous one hey real quick if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review on itunes let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of now let's get back to the interview 
Got it. So you, when you are running this giveaway, you mentioned that you're driving a lot of cold traffic from Facebook, and I, and I gotta believe that having a an unbelievable product like a car that you're giving away is going to help a lot with getting attention, getting people to be intrigued or curious enough to to find out more. But tell us more about the strategy. How do you get cold traffic from Facebook? coming to your site to buy products to enter a giveaway like what's the the strategy how you how do you set up what do the ads look like even yeah uh great question because i test a lot and i test all the time so i'll test you know things for that i'm going to use a month or two from now and then i'll test stuff in real time during the giveaways but basically the main cold traffic ads are going to be single video conversion ads um with call to action um and they'll run to I keep it very basic when I'm doing cold traffic. I'll just pick one interest. So in this case, I'll pick the car. So the last Mitsubishi Evo um, was I just targeted four different you know ways you could input that interest into Facebook. You know when you go to punch in your targeting um, Mitsubishi Evolution, people that were interested in it, uh, and then I run you know the cold traffic ads to them, single video uh, conversion, shop now, call to action button, um, ad copy, very simple. You know, hey Mitsubishi Evo fan. Uh, you know, how would you like to win, you know, this Evo 9 MR plus five grand cash, you know, shop now, primedriven.com, every dollar, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I'll answer a bunch of the common frequently asked questions lower in the ad copy where frankly, most people don't click and read, but it's there for the people that do want to click and read. Got it. Now, when they are, they're, they're coming and is it, you mentioned that you're using this low T uh, giveaway app to track it. Do you know the name of it? Like what, what do you recommend people would use if they want to do something similar yes so it's called bold loyalty points um and we had to have them make some modifications to it for it to work in this way versus the normal just like it's meant to kind of like give you reward points versus just straight track um you know number of dollars um so we had to have them do like a couple little tweaks to it but ultimately um it works great and then it just under on every single product page underneath the add to cart button um, is the number of points that that, uh, that product earns you, which is obviously the same as the dollar amount. Got it. So this approach, I, li- I like it because, uh, well, actually, before I, before I get into this question, do you, was it, uh, were you profitable on this from the very beginning, this, this, this giveaway approach? <laughs> you know, that, that's a great question because back then, with the first two were on Weebly, and there were, I mean, there were, I guess, kind of analytics, but they were not particularly useful. And, that was um, before a big QuickBooks overhaul we did in order to be able to track everything. So at the end of the day, those first two were like effectively all MR2 parts and basically almost no, you know, merch. Uh, because at that point we had like four t-shirts that we were selling. Like it was just for our customers. Uh, and people were complaining and they were like, well, if I don't need parts, give me something else. Mm-hmm. Because I still want to get entered. I want to potentially win the car. That was when we started adding some more, you know, kind of organically, like when we originally did with the beginning of the website for parts, we started adding more, more merch and, some keychains and stuff like that, some hats. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, I think by the time we got done with it and then had to buy the next car and get that car ready, I w- it was probably break even, um, which I considered, frankly, a huge win um, because when we were first doing the first one, it had been mentioned to us by a longtime customer and friend like two years before that. So back in 2013, no, 14. Um, sorry, 17, 18 is when we did it back in 2015, 15-ish. A uh, customer was like, hey, you know, I've seen some of these like big companies, you know, like huge companies, right? Like car giveaways are not new. These have been done since the beginning of cars. 
Uh, they're just usually done by like big, big, huge companies or or the actual car company themselves, right? So, friend of ours, friend and customer was like, "Hey, you guys should do one of these." You know, I've seen some like you know some Honda guys, you know, like do stuff, and uh, we were like, "There's no way we could sell enough product to be able to pay for not just the product and then restocking product because obviously every time we sell a product, we're restocking, and it's usually more than one because a lot of our parts are are from Japan or manufactured by other small companies, so we have to order them in quantity. Um, I was like, I just don't see how we can do it. And over time, we had enough parts on there and we had enough order volume that we were like, this could work and be great or it could catastrophically fail. And frankly, we're used to that because, <laughs> you know, we we had uh, had, had many, uh, many failures like like anybody who's built anything. Um, and, you know, we try to learn from them and then get better and improve and don't make that mistake again. But um, it was very much the mentality of fail forward fast, like. You know, let's just do it. Uh, and worst case scenario, we give an awesome car to one of our customers um, and we lose, you know, the first car was probably a $10,000 build. And then I ran, you know, probably like a few thousand dollars of ads for maybe like the first three weeks or something like that was the first one. Um, but it was all, all, all car parts and our margins are very low on those car parts. So I think we broke even on that first one, but we were I remember being really legitimately nervous and I don't really get nervous or scared about stuff. Like we just do it and then see what happens. Um, but yeah, it was, I actually remember tangibly feeling nervous. <laughs> Got it. So do you think that someone could start off this way by, if they have, you know, the, the kind of inventory that is required? Cause I think you put, you've raised a good point, which is that if you are to set this up so that each purchase, each dollar that they spend is considered an entry, you have to have things in your inventory that are just kind of like, things that people might want, not that they they need, right? Because they don't need car parts, they're not gonna they're not just gonna buy car parts, just enter. But yeah, merch eventually, which are things people might just want to buy and they don't necessarily need it. So if they have the inventory like that set up, can they start off this way? Or are there certain things that you feel you had in place, uh, whether it be with the, the brand or anything else you can think of that is required to be able to successfully uh, build a business this way? Yeah, so that's a great question. And that was one of the things that we were asking ourselves before that first one. And ultimately, uh, the only way we were able to do it and not just lose all the money is that we had an existing customer base of about maybe 1,500 customers around the country. Um, And they were, you know, a lot of our customers very loyal. Um, We try to you know, make it that way by, you know, giving them phenomenal service and, and great parts and, and, you know, and, and good value. But, um, it, it, we could have, we could not have done it, um, at that time. And with my knowledge and with the backend capabilities of the website, um, we could not have done it and been profitable, um, on, on cold traffic. It was, and that was, we ran no cold traffic for the first bunch of MR2 giveaways. It was just all website retargeting. That was it. Why does it work now, though? Why does cold traffic work today? Well, because we're able to build off the back of our retargeting and existing returning mm-hmm. customers who are still always buying MR2 parts. So every time we go to grow, even though we know they may not, and this was a major consideration with the Evo because, uh, I mean, I'd never even driven a Mitsubishi Evolution before this. Now I'm like, well, this is an awesome car. Um, but MR2 guys are MR2 guys. So we knew most of them weren't going to just buy anything that you had entered, but we knew that they still had to buy, you know, some of them had to buy some parts at some time. Like these are 30 year old cars. They need stuff constantly. 
so it's calculated risk, obviously. And, uh, you know, we didn't want our customers to feel like we were abandoning them or, you know, outgrowing them or something like that. So we make it a point to, you know, still be fanatical about our support. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we couldn't grow anymore off the back of the MR2 at giveaways. And the MR2 has some bad uh, reputation aspects um, um, to, the, to the uneducated, um, you know, car person or non-car person in terms of it's a mid-engine turbo car, it's rear-wheel drive. It's very easy to swap ends, especially in stock form. Once we modify them, they're substantially better. But still, like it's a handful of car. Um, it can come, it can bite you. Um, and uh, so we used to get a lot of negative feedback on that from you know from from cold traffic. But yeah, cold traffic now is, like I said, very fundamentally basic targeting, just the interest targeting. Um, and then we do, you know, we we work with a couple of big YouTube channels, you know, that have obviously the trust and the attention of their subscribers. And, you know, wouldn't it be cool? You're just watching a YouTube channel and, you know, this car giveaway comes up, you go and enter and you end up winning, you know, a car. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it's always our MR2 customers. They'll always be there and we're always trying to do more and better stuff for them. Um, but ultimately now everything above that, above just basically website retargeting um, is cold traffic to new audiences. Got it. So just make sure I understand this. So when you first started off, you were able to successfully do this uh, giveaway and be profitable because you were announcing the giveaway to your existing customer base. Is that right? 100% correct. Yes. The thing that was so outstanding and so remarkable about that first one is that um, it did extremely well and actually better than the following three because no one thought we would do it again. Like no one had ever seen that. No one had ever done that in our industry, not in these little tiny companies. Um, because of, you know, a huge amount of capital outlay energy and, uh, you know, um, and work, um, and then having to have the back end that could even do it, which it really couldn't back then, but, but we made it work, but yeah, yeah. no, um, it was, it, it was overwhelmingly positive, but then we were like, okay, this is a lot more work than we thought it was going to be. And it's not that easy to pay for a car on the back of low margin part sales. Got it. So then when you moved and when you, when you kind of grew past this phase of just uh, launching to your existing customers and you were running cold traffic, you've mentioned retargeting. So these are people that are just coming that are familiar at least a little bit with the brand, but maybe they haven't purchased before. Like what is the, how cold or how warm is this, this traffic that you're getting from Facebook ads? Yeah. So my website retargeting traffic is going to be, um, 180 day website retargeting audience, you know, generated by Facebook dynamically. Um, that's going to be effectively always my core customers. Um, and then obviously a bunch of random people, you know, get there because of the giveaway or because someone told them to go there or they found us on Google or YouTube or what have you. Um, we put a lot of work in trying to be kind of omnipresent, like on all platforms, all times, but obviously it's only possible to a certain extent. Um, but the, uh, that's the website retargeting stuff. Uh, and then obviously emails, Facebook messenger, um, you know, the, some of the, the MR2 groups on Facebook, um, you know, that's where a lot of, a lot of our customers live. Um, but the cold traffic is, is cold. The definition of cold traffic. These people okay, have never it. heard of us. Uh, they have never been to our website. Uh, it's just straight single video conversion call, shop now call to action, you know, a little bit about the giveaway, uh, you know, an attention grabber headline and, and that's it. And a cool video, yeah. and a cool video of the car. Like we make this like big hero video, you know, like a 60 second um, hero video of the car to basically show sights and sounds and, you know, create some emotion and some, uh, some excitement. 
Got it. So why couldn't someone do the same thing you did and just focus specifically on on cold traffic then in, in that scenario? Because it, it works for you, right? It not only, I mean, obviously the, the existing customers, the retargeted customers, they are also helping to fund the giveaway. But it sounds like the more scalable approach for you and maybe even more desired desired result for you is to get the cold traffic people that have never heard of you before coming, buying products, entering the giveaway. Could someone do this because if they start with like no customer base, like well, what do you what do you see might still be missing? The challenge with it is the cost, the barrier to entry. Obviously, like the barrier to entry to e-commerce nowadays, especially with with the Shopify, the amazing platform that you guys have, and all the amazing apps that are on it. Um, the barrier to entry to start an e-commerce store is nothing now, right? It's zero dollars, um, and really like zero inventory. You know, if you if you are doing drop shipping or something like that, right? Um, the reality of doing a car is that takes actual capital infrastructure. Uh, like if you have a website that can function like like Shopify website um, has all these apps that allow you to kind of do all these things all at the same time. Uh, you will be able to track entries. Um, you're going to have even at a cheap car, like there are a couple guys, you know, a couple pop-up companies that are trying to capitalize on this. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a small business owner. I'm a capitalist. Uh, you know, this is the free market. You know, they can, uh, you know, there's plenty of business out there. You know, it's not like there's a, there's an abundance of business out there. It's not like it's a, it's a scarcity kind of issue. Um, but the, the, the capital outlay and the manpower outlay to um, produce inventory, stock inventory, ship inventory, um, create the all the different ads that I run on all the platforms, um, run and manage inventory and everything on the back end that my business partner does, uh, design stuff like our designer does, uh, and then you know answer questions, respond to stuff on social media, respond to emails. Uh, it's a lot of money and manpower. And obviously manpower costs money as well. Uh, so you know uh, to me, uh, there are two companies that are kind of trying to do it right now. And um they're, uh, you know, they have a long road ahead. Like if they're in it for the mm -hmm. long game and they're willing to just hemorrhage money for like, you know, a year or two, then, the, you know, well executed, they could probably do it. Um, but there's nothing unique or interesting about them. So the challenge there is they don't have any differentiation. There's one big company that started doing this in a big way on Facebook four years ago. And they are, they're the McDonald's of this. Um, you know, they are their first mover. They have all the advantages, huge followings they built up on social media early on. Um, and, and they give away phenomenally amazing cars and a bunch of money. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, they're the, you know, they're, they're the McDonald's. Um, these other guys are kind of coming in, but they're only merch. Like all they sell is shirts and hats and, you know, a couple detailing products, I guess, but like, no, like we sell like tools, like, you know, like battery tenders and so they don't just have to buy like a shirt or a hat if they don't want to. Companies are basically trying to do the same thing, but with less interesting cars, less money, uh, and less uh, you know less variety of merch, less different designs. You know, obviously, this company, the big company, has been around for four years. Like at this point, they have a pretty substantial catalog of old stuff. So, could you do it? Yeah, I mean, as somebody who's really good at this uh, and and knows cars, because ultimately, you do still have to know what car to do and <laughs> what, you know, what the market wants, like our market and the guys that are trying to do it now um, is, you know, Japanese cars called JDM cars, Japanese domestic market. Um, you know, these are nineties, mostly nineties and early two thousands tuner cars, like the fast and the furious kind of stuff. That's my generation. That's when I grew up. Fast and furious was a game changer movie for our entire industry. Like I'm sitting here, fast and furious didn't come out. Um, 
And, uh, and so, you know, these other guys are, you know, kind of trying to do something similar, you know, we'll see how it works. Ultimately, I wish them all the best. Uh, you know, like I, I don't view any, any of it as competition. I just view it as, you know, you know, the, the free market. Right. Yeah. I guess, I guess the, 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 the main point here is that, or that, that I'm trying to, to try to get at is that you, if you're not trying to give away a car, you're in a different industry, this is potentially a very a scalable way to start, right? To build a customer base, to get people to, to come and become customers for the first time. I think like you mentioned the, 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 um, bearers entry for giving away a product, 10, $20,000 is might be out of reach for a lot of people, because again, you're, you're, you're saying it's going to cost you a lot upfront to, to, to lay out that cash to support a giveaway like this. But if you are giving away a much smaller product, you're in a different industry, this might be a, an approach setting cold traffic to a giveaway. They enter by buying products. Do, do people ever get confused on how to enter? They come to the, they click on the link. Like where does it take them? They take them to like a, a giveaway like explanation page or something. How do they learn more about like what they need to do to enter? Yeah, good question. Um, and in the beginning, there was a lot of confusion pre um, pre Shopify. There was a lot of confusion because um, it used to be every five dollars for one entry. Then people had to do math, and it got complicated. Um, mm. But yeah, ultimately, yes. To your first point, if you are not giving away something as massive uh, and time consuming as a car, where like we'd have to buy it, build it, and then film it, and then do all that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I'm sure this exists, but I, I was I kind of wanted to try some of it myself to cold traffic, um, just because. Like I have the skill set where I could do that. And obviously we have your guys platform that can do all the back end. But um, you know, like giving away, you know, like a, you know, a set of coilovers, you know, like MR, you know, suspension. Like we were originally gonna start like that. Let's give away a suspension first, because that's not a big risk. And then we were like, that's just not gonna be interesting enough in, in the world that we're in where, you know, we build cars, you know, people have cars, you know, like it's just exciting that, you know, to give away a car. But um, yeah, I mean, if you were gonna give away any number of, you know, cool and interesting things that had, you know, a relatively broad market. But with us, it's because we're so specialized that it was interesting in the beginning. And now we're working on broadening that appeal in that market, um, you know, after building on the back of our specialty, our niche, our very, very small niche. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a great way um, to build a new brand. Frankly, uh, I think like most business owners, once they find something that's working, uh, I wish that I had done it two years earlier when uh, our friend and customer recommended it. But frankly, the website didn't even exist uh, in the capacity that it could have even done that back then. So that was why we kind of didn't do it. Yeah. How do you, how do you explain this? How do you explain this to someone that they land on this? Yeah. So as far as confusion to your point about, you know, like not sure, not being sure what to do, they land, all of our traffic gets driven to just our homepage and our homepage is basically set up as a scrolling, um, uh, all it scrolls, all the merch categories. Um, it's got, you know, video of the previous winner. Um, and then there are, the hero picture when you land is the car we're giving away, um, tells you what the car is, tells you how much the cash is on top of it. Uh, because obviously you have taxes when you win the car, you know, you got to ship it back to your house, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then every page will say, you know, every dollar spent is one entry. And then every product page, individual product page you click on, um, will then say, um, you know, this, this, this product is worth, you know, this item earns you X number of entries. Um, so that's basically how we communicate it. And then we communicate it in the ads. Still people ask, but we changed it to $1, which was new for this last giveaway. Um, it simplified a lot. The $5 one entry thing was very confusing for a lot of people. But also we've done nine now. So like there's a little bit more awareness, even with cold traffic, where we're not the only ones doing this. There are much bigger companies that do these things. So people are a little bit more aware in general of how it works within our kind of tiny 
niche audience. Got it. So yeah, I'll see on your on your homepage. The very top thing above the fold is explaining the giveaway, right? So I think that 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 it's very clear that all the traffic you drive, to, especially to the homepage, is around getting someone to enter the giveaway. So I, I love that approach. So thank you so much for your time, Justin. Anyone that wants to check it out, go to primedriven.com to see to see what they, they got going on. For you, what are you most excited for to, to come true this year? Like, what, what is the one thing that you can't wait to, to, to happen this for this year? Yeah, so um, that's a great question because I, I write down and recite my goals every day. And uh, and the, um, the one that's actually not on there, but that is a big goal of ours as a company um, uh, and, and myself personally is uh, I... I'm on the board of a charity that works with uh, wounded veterans and law enforcement officers. And my best friend uh, actually founded it. And um, a lot of the money that I make just on my, you know, just from my, my paychecks, which, you know, aren't big, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a anything air uh, in terms of money. <laughs> I'm just a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the ability to fund more of our, more of our projects, we do a lot of community outreach stuff, um, a lot of peer mentoring, um, you know, helping veterans, you know, get back into fitness um, to help them, you know, kind of heal mentally, um, stuff like that, specialty training um, for law enforcement, and then even working with kids um, in, you know, some of the more urban areas. Um, that is uh, basically my passion um, in terms of my my not pure business life. So my business life is driven by that passion uh, and by that uh amazing uh, feeling of, uh, of, you know, fulfillment and contribution of being able to help people who can't help themselves at that time. Um, that's really, that's really a big thing for me personally as a business. Um, my goal is to double revenue every year. Obviously that's not sustainable at a certain period of time, I guess. Um, but uh, so that's the goal um, for this year as well, just like it was last year. And I, we're going to give away um, some, our next car coming up. Uh, giveaway number 10 is going to be really, really cool. Um, and then we're going to try to ratchet up even another notch um, for the one after that. Uh, so we're very excited about that. We're hoping our customers will be very excited as well because I know if I was one of my customers, I would be. Because uh, <laughs> I don't even own any of these cars personally. They're just for the giveaway and then somebody else gets them. You guys are buying stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's, very, it's very cool. It's very exciting. The feedback being overwhelmingly positive with very little negative. Um, is, you know, just makes for a totally different business experience uh, that I really would have never expected out of this scenario. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for your time, Justin. Primedriven.com, again, is a website. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. Thank you very much, Felix. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. To get your exclusive 30-day extended trial, visit shopify.com slash masters.